0: Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Thankful to share about one of my very favorite subjects today. It's about worship and um, about praise and about being in God's presence. And so it's just, um, this is absolutely one of my favorite messages. Uh, We've been in the life of David in the series in the life of David. And today, we're not going to spend very much time actually telling stories about David we're in 2 Samuel 5, where all the leaders of Israel and Judah have finally come together. They've made peace with one another, and they're anointing David as king. They recognize God's calling on David, that David would sh- God said to David, you will shepherd my people Israel, you will become their ruler. And so they anoint David king over Israel, and he's only 30 years old, which is unfathomable to me all the story we've learned about him and he's only 30 so far and he rules for 40 years so that's a long time now the first thing he does when he's finally king of of all these different tribes is he makes his home in Jerusalem Jerusalem had been inhabited by some of the israelites um enemies the jebusites and so they take the fortress of zion and ever since that day jerusalem becomes known As Jerusalem, the city of David, Mount Zion. So in scripture, whenever you hear someone talk about Jerusalem, Mount Zion, or the city of David, they're talking about Jerusalem. Uh, Vivian Hebert says this about Zion. She says, Zion became the prophetic and poetic name the Lord chose to use for the body of Christ. We're the body in scripture. The first thing David does when he becomes king over Israel was to worship. He turns the enemy's stronghold into a worship center. And that's the first thing that happens when we become believers. A place that might have been used for other reasons, other purposes, all of a sudden becomes a space for worship. We become the temples of the Lord. We become a place of worship. We become carriers of God's presence. That's us. So remember, since Jesus came and introduced the new covenant, we don't fight against flesh and blood. So we're not talking about physical places. We're talking about spiritual places and spaces in our heart, not carnal. Um, Paul to the Ephesians says our battles aren't against flesh and blood, but they're against spiritual forces and power. So we're talking about a spiritual um, place. This is a metaphor for us today Uh, David taking Jerusalem as a metaphor for us today, that whatever battle you are facing, whatever unknown, whatever enemy has a stronghold in your life, that space can be changed into a place in a space of worship, an altar of worship, where the presence of God is made known to you and to everyone around you, even to the nations and the generations Last week, Ben came, was visiting from Southeast Asia, and he described David's call and welcome to the nations in the Psalms, how we welcome all people to God's presence. Um, Corky just spoke about that, how we welcome people to the table. We welcome them to the presence, the body of Christ. Um, Next week, Stanley's going to speak how David, the story of David in the Old Testament, how he brings the Ark of the Covenant and the resting place of God's presence to Jerusalem. And he's going to talk about how David was both a kingly and priestly picture of Christ. Today, I want to look at the Psalms specifically and explore how David teaches. He shepherds his people and rules his people, and he teaches them new rhythms and order and vocabulary and song and praise. We're going to talk about seven words for praise, as long as well as a, a music dynamic that we find in Scripture called the sila. So, have you ever um, looked at a, a, a sheet of music and seen there will be little marks like for crescendo, like to build something, or or um, another word is to. I said it wrong, huh? That's okay. There's lots of little musical symbols, rests and pauses in music. and we're going to look at those in the Psalms. Um, we have these signs up up here. we have we are we need to move one out from behind that curtain over the Tahila one out here. but these are seven different words for praise that we find in the Bible and we're going to talk about them. Uh, several years ago, we as a community, many years ago, we embraced, This Sila style, this these words for praise, we embrace them and they transformed our worship. They transformed how we experience God. And, And that's what we want for you today. We want you to be able to come and have this full vocabulary, this full experience, all the dynamics. If you listen to music with no dynamics, your judges will say, There's no musicality here, there's no emotion. You're just playing notes but if music is played with all of the the dynamics it's just there's something like emotional that happens something beautiful something more a story is conveyed so a couple weeks ago I was talking with some friends and neighbors about dogs. We were talking about our dogs. There was a dog that didn't like me. Anyways, we we started talking about color. Like can dog is it what you're wearing? Why is this dog not like you? I'm like, "I don't know why this dog doesn't like me. I'm fine with it. We're all good." Um, but we started talking about color and dogs can't see as much color as we can. Did you know that? They can't see red hardly. They pretty much only see like yellow, blue and on the black and white spectrum i was like wow man that's a bummer poor dog what's a dog do when the sun is setting and i'm just like oh glory (laughs) wizard of oz right remember wizard of oz when dorothy comes from this black and white space into this space of color it's just like wow there's color I have a cookbook that I love. It's called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. And it's all about the chemistry of how to enhance flavor. It's just a beautiful book and it's fun. And it's just, it transformed the way I cook. Cause all of a sudden I understood how salt, fat, acid, and heat work together. So today, as I talk about worship, as I talk about these seven Hebrew words of praise, as I talk about the sila, I'm praying that there's this chemistry will happen that will enhance flavor. Bring color to your worship experience. So you'll be like, wow, I didn't understand all this was available to me. There's more to this than just singing songs and hearing these incredible musicians play. There's more that's happening beneath the surface in the sound and in these, these things we're experiencing. We literally, David said, get to taste and see that the Lord is good. So I'm providing a little salt fat hat. Salt, fat, heat, and acid for you all today. How's that? So, you know how we use the word love? Like, I love food. I Clearly, I love food. I just told you about my favorite cookbook. I love taking a nice walk. I love new clothes. I love sleep. And I love my cup of tea when I wake up from my sleep. These are things I love, right? But none of those descriptions of the word love come close to describing what what I experience when I say, I love this person, or I love that person. It's like, love doesn't mean the same thing when I'm talking about my cup of tea or someone I love. It's It's two entirely different meanings. In the Bible, especially in David's Psalms, there are often Hebrew words that convey so much more meaning than our English translations convey with just one word. This is especially true of the word praise. Let's look at these seven words. I'm just going to go through them one by one. The first is halal. To so halal is to shine, to rave, to praise, to boast, to be clamorously foolish, to act madly. So if you were a Chiefs fan, I know there aren't too many in the room, but there are a few. <laughs> if you were... <laughs> I, I, I was a Chiefs fan just for Raylan, just that one Sunday. When someone wins the Super Bowl, there's a lot of halal happening. There is like, ah, they're raving, they're clamorous, they're praising, they're, they're foolish, they do all those weird dances, you know, at the touchdown line, you know, just, it's just madness. It's craziness. That's halal. And guess what? We get to halal at church. Yes, we can do that here in this space. Let me give you an example. Psalm 18. This is a Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. They have these nice little introductions to the music before you start. It says, this is a song of David, the servant of the Lord. He sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. We, we, we've talked about how much Saul was pursuing, relentlessly pursuing David. And what does David do when he's rescued, when he escapes the sword? He howls. he acts madly, he goes crazy. In this psalm, it's all about how the cords of death were trying to entangle him. And this is what he says in verse 1. He says, I love you, Lord, my strength. Let's go to verse one. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of, hello! (laughs) And I have been saved from my enemies. I mean, that's a reason to get excited when we get saved from something, when something we feel is just trying to kill us And we get freedom from it. Another time David uses this word, or it's in scripture, is actually outside of the Psalms. It's, it's, It's used many times, but here's just one other example, is when the ark comes to Jerusalem. And this is what Stanley will tell us about next week. It says that David appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord, to extol, to thank, and to halal the Lord, the God of Israel. That's what our Levites, our worship leaders, some Sundays, we we act crazy. We act madly. We act foolishly because we're so thankful to be saved. We're so thankful that God has forgiven us. We're so thankful for what God has done in our life, even though Saul might still be on our tail. Even when Saul and our enemies are still pursuing us. We worship this way. The next one is yada. The word yada is to revere or worship, to give thanks or praise, to lift the hands. To revere, worship, to give thanks or praise, to lift the hands. This one is from Psalm 57, 7. This is just one example. And this is when David is hiding in a cave from Saul. And somehow while he's hiding... He's not delivered. He's in a dark cave, miserable. Somehow he cultivates reverence and thanksgiving. Says in Psalm 57, my heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. This kind of awe and reverence makes me think of Psalm 29. It's a beautiful, long, poetic passage. Go home and read it in front of nature. It's a beautiful one to read in the woods. (laughs) It says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic there's kind of this, ah, oh, it's like, it's like when you look out over the Grand Canyon or you looked out over one of our national parks here in Utah and you just go, whoa, whoa. Who created this? Who did this? Oh, the lamb before the throne, holy, whoa. Who is God seated in heavenly places? It's this, you of gonna catch your breath, you know. Um all last couple weeks, if you see a lot in Christian media, which I, I follow some of it, and people have been calling me, they've been talking about this um, outpouring or revival that's happening in Asbury, Kentucky. And, and what that means is that something as special is happening there with God, God's people and God's presence. There's a revival. I'm like, what does revival mean to people who've never heard of Jesus? It just means God is touching people, and they're responding to Him. I don't. I don't know what's happening. I'm not there. But there's this reverence and this holy awe that's happening there. But while that, meanwhile, this is happening in Kentucky. What's happening in Syria and Turkey? Right? We're just like, oh God, forty six thousand people. Forty six thousand people lost, and people freezing because they they have no shelter right now. A pastor named John Tremaine Thomas, he juxtaposed what's happening in, in Kentucky and what's happening in Turkey and Syria, because how do we do that? How do we watch a newsreel and go from Turkey and Syria to Asbury, Kentucky? Like, Lord, how do we do that? How do we process terror and glory How do we mourn with those who mourn? How do we rejoice with those who rejoice? John Tremaine says, We embrace awe. We just be quiet. And we just, there's a passage, I I wish I'd looked it up in the Bible. It says, Sometimes we come to the Lord's presence and we let our words be few, we're just quiet. There's a reverence. The president of Asbury Theological Seminary, where this revival or this encounter is happening, he said this, I have been reticent to write blogs or make a lot of public statements about his outpouring at Asbury because it is always better to stand in awe of something than to talk about something. Sometimes in our worship, that's what we do. Have you ever been here and the music just stops and we're all like, "Uh, we don't know what to say right now. Those moments can be uncomfortable. Steve will shed a tear. I've seen it. Stand up here and be like, he clears his throat a bunch. I don't know what to say. (laughs) Because sometimes it's better to just be still before the Lord. John Tremaine said this. He said, this could also be called the fear of the Lord, where wisdom begins. This type of awe bears the fruit of humility and rightly confronts the wisdom of man with the superiority of the wisdom of God. I remember one time years ago, our kids just found this out a couple, uh, (laughs) about a month or two ago, that Aaron and I used to lead worship here, just so you all know. They were all really upset that they didn't know that. And I was like, I didn't know you didn't know that. I would have told you. I wasn't trying to hold. It wasn't a secret. It's not a deep, dark secret. But I remember one time when Aaron was leading worship, and it was a painful, painful weekend because a woman in our congregation, Kay Gravette, had died of cancer. And we were just like, I mean, I still feel that feeling. We were so heartbroken. And and a little boy had died of cancer. Zach had died just the year before. And we were just like, Lord, we have faith. We believe. But here we were wrestling with this sadness. And so the worship service started with this hush, lament, this quiet. But in the end, we started singing about heaven and God and Jesus in heaven and being dressed in white and standing before his throne. And what an eruption broke through in this place. It was just, it's one of those days I'll never forget. When we're in our cave, when we think about the terror and the pain, and then the glory and the wonder, and they all come together in this way that we cannot fathom, cannot understand, maybe we stand in awe. Maybe we just... Keep our mouth shut and just woe, God. There's times for that in worship. Barak, another word for praise. Barak, to bless, to kneel, to salute. I love the Psalm 72, it's one of the messianic Psalms long before Jesus comes. And many commentators, many scholars have often thought this is one that refers to the wise men coming from the east to bring Jesus gifts, to bring him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Psalm 72, it says, The western kings of Tarshish and other distant lands will bring him tribute. The eastern kings of Sheba and Seba will bring him gifts. All kings will bow before him and all nations will serve him. Long live the King. May the gold of Sheba be given to him. May the people always pray for him and bless him all day long. So there's this element of praise. There's this element of coming and bowing, revering, like even the kings and the queens, they came and they came and they bowed before the presence of God. They came before Jesus and and brought him gifts, gold, frankincense myrrh sometimes we do this in worship we bring our gifts we bring our offerings we bring our who we are and our skills we bring our experience we bring even our pain and we bring it and we offer it we're like we bow before you we kneel we salute we're at your service right when we sing all hell king jesus it's like it's Barak worship. It's that kind of worship. I, I should have looked up how to say these words, but I'm not Hebrew. I could never. I don't speak Hebrew, so I'm probably butchering how to say these words. I so apologize to anybody who knows Hebrew who's listening. <laughs> this next one is Taudah. Confession. praise, Thanksgiving. This word is used in Psalm 56. Um, It's a prayer for relief from tormentors. It's set to the silent dove in distant lands. It's interesting. It's like he used the music from another song and just put these words in it, kind of like what we do with, you know, row, row, row your boat, and we put alternate words in it, (laughs) whatever they are. (laughs) It's a mictum of David when the Philistines captured him in Gath. So we don't know what mictum means. Nobody knows. Nobody knows how to translate that word, but it's some kind of a musical note, dynamic. But this is what he says when he's captured by the Philistines. He says, be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. In God, though, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises. So other translations translate this word praises to thank offerings, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will render praises to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Sometimes we sing and we praise and we give thanks, even when we are under the thumb of our enemies. I think about the tradition, like our jazz, our blues, our our soul music from from New Orleans in the South, and Apple, it all comes from the slaves when they were under the oppression of the masters, of the people, of plantation owners, and they somehow sang a song. They somehow gave thanks. It's it's mind-blowing to me. I, I don't understand it. It's something I stand in awe of but that music was thanksgiving even when they were captured. Sometimes we sing and we praise and we give thanks when we are under the thumb of our enemies. We make a declaration, a confession of deliverance, and we say to our souls, we will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. I have lots to be afraid of, but I will not be afraid. The next word, shabak, or shabak, should have looked it up. (laughs) To exclaim, to shout, to laud, to praise. To exclaim, to shout, to laud, to praise. An example of this is Psalm 63, when David is in the wilderness or the desert of Judah. He's hungry, he's thirsty. This might have been right before He went to Nabal's vineyard. We don't know. Remember Nabal and Abigail? But he was hungry. His people were thirsty. Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. It's interesting. He's in a parched place. He's in a physical place with no water. And it's parched and it's dry. But it's his soul. It's just an outward manifestation of the condition of his soul. Like, I am thirsty for God to do something. My flesh longs for God to do something. I love Corky's communion message. I'm like, is that how Jesus, he's not drinking or the cup or eating the bread until his return? Is he thirsty? Is he hungry for us? I don't know. That's my imagination after what he said. (laughs) I've looked for you in the sanctuary. I want to see your power and glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands again, lifting up our hands. There's something, there's something powerful about when we lift our hands. It's just over and over and over again. Is it surrender? Is it salute? Is it praise? Is it laud? What is it that happens when we lift our hands to God. And I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands to your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. There's salt, fat, heat, and acid, everybody. <laughs> my soul is going to be satisfied with marrow and fatness. You know, the best meat has lots of fat. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. There's this praise, there's this confession. And it, we're shouting it. We're praising it. Like, yes, this is gonna be a good dinner. Yes, this is gonna be fun. Yes, his loving kindness is better than dinner. <laughs> I mean, there's this, there's this lauding, there's this shouting, there's this exclamation of praise. Are you all ready to do that next Sunday, to lift up a shout, to lift up a praise, to lift your hands? Um, Sometimes we lift up a rejoicing shout because we know, we know it in our bones, that the loving kindness of God is literally better than life. Our lips praise him with shouts of rejoicing. Zamar, this is a fun one. All of our uh, country Western people are going to love this one. To make music, to sing praise, to play a musical instrument, to pluck and twang. (laughs) To pluck and twang. I think that's just the old strong concordance version of this. I think it could also mean like to shred. (laughs) I think if I had an updated Strong's, it would be like, let's shred. (laughs) You know? It means to make music with to play a musical instrument. Sometimes praising is just jamming, you know. Sometimes our instrumentalists are just jamming, and sometimes our our um, our um, drum is just like drumming away, and we just have this fun drum solo. It's because we're making music, we're singing praise, we're playing our instruments, we're shredding. 2 Samuel 22:50. This is at the end. This is at the end of um, of uh, David's life. So we're fast forwarding way far here. He has a psalm that's that's recorded in 2 Samuel 22. It's a lot like Psalm 18. So it's like a version. It's a remix. It's a cover of his own song in 2 Samuel 22. And he says, therefore, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. That is the word zamar. It means let's just have fun with our instruments. Okay. Tehillah. I'm so thankful Kathy and Kelsey and the team demonstrated this today. It's a song or a hymn of praise, a spontaneous expression of spiritual song. Sometimes we have spontaneous songs around here. It's like jazz, but just a different sound maybe. We have, we improvise. We, we feel like God is leading us to think about something and then we each bring our own notes and we add and we take turns and jazz music, it's so much fun. You know, when they just go from instrumentalist to, in, to musician, to musician, to musician, and they each give their own version of those eight measures in that key. And then they sometimes switch the key on everybody. That's fun. Right. But they each bring their sound and they each bring their song. We can do that. We did that this morning. Um, when, when Kat, we were singing a song that we all knew, we all know the words. And then Kathy got up and said, the Lord's going to do a new thing. We've opened our hands. We've surrendered. Now he does a new thing. It was a spontaneous expression of spiritual song. Uh, we also, I'm gonna skip to verse Psalm 145, Quirky, and then I'm gonna come back. So let's go to Psalm 145. I'm changing the order on him. This is this is what we sang today, and I didn't even pay attention to the fact that, that Kelsey had picked this song, like I didn't register it. But in Psalm 145, The word for a spontaneous song is, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. That's that that spontaneous song. That's why, I don't know, I turned around and I looked at Jane and I looked at McKinley and I was like, I'm commending his work to you. I'm singing this spontaneous song to you. And I just started shouting, not shouting, but from the front row. I was like, hey, guys, God is good. And there's something about everyone hates it. Everyone hates it when preachers and speakers make you turn to the person next to you and say, God bless you, or be healed in Jesus name, whatever it is. I know you all hate it, but there's something in the Bible about it that is good for us. It's something we need to do. Like, I didn't want to do it this morning. I'm like, I'm gonna look like a dork over lunch. I'm gonna get, you know, mom, why'd you do that? You know, but I'm like, you know what? This is what we do. We sing to each other. We're like, tell, I'm telling you, God is good. I'm telling you, God is faithful in your life. I I promise I'm 48, you're 23. God is after you, man. <laughs> when we do that when we exclaim and proclaim his works from one generation to another in spontaneous song, it's good for our souls. It's good for us. Don't worry. I'm not going to make you do it, but I'm going to say you should do it. (laughs) Give it a try. I mean, this is why we dance together. You know, this is when, have you ever done that? Like you don't, sometimes we dance on our own and it's fun, but sometimes it's like, yeah, we dance together. (laughs) YMCA. No. <laughs> um. But here's another harder version of spontaneous praise, Ex- spontaneous expression of spiritual song. So now, Corky, I'm going to go backward to Psalm 51. Thank you. <laughs> After David is rebuked, do you all know we haven't gotten to this story yet? It's going to be fun. I can't wait to preach about it. And David is absolutely horrible, and he murders someone, and he commits adultery with a woman. She has no free agency. It's all a mess. Well, that we know of. We don't know the whole story. But it's just a bad story where David behaves very badly. And he gets in trouble. The prophet comes to him and is like, David, what's up? And he tells David a story. I'm really Learning a lot about storytelling lately. Stories are really good. Nathan tells David a story, and David is convicted, and he's like, Yeah, I'm bad. So then David sings this spontaneous song. This has spontaneous praise. This has tahila, and a spontaneous expression. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you, that my mouth can sing spontaneous praise. I wonder how often we come into this place together, or we come to a meal with our friends or our brothers and sisters in Christ, and, you know, we need a spontaneous song of confession. We need to be like, oh, forgive me, Nathan. Forgive me, Abby. Forgive me, Diane. I got a song of confession that I got to sing. What if when our worship leaders say, sing your own song, do you know how they give us space to sing our own song? What if when they give us space to sing our own song, we're like, God, forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for what I said. Forgive me. And oh, Lord, open my mouth. So instead of saying those stupid things I said, I can praise you. Open my mouth so and. Instead of doing all these other things, I'm praising you. You're worth more than all this. Your loving kindness is worth way more than all this other stuff I get into. What if that's what we do when we come here, we tahila. Okay. I want to take the next few minutes to talk about something called a sila. I'm going to just read this definition here from a a book about worship. It says, The term sila occurs 71 times in the text of 39 psalms. Commentators think, we don't know for sure, but we think it comes from the verb salal, which is to lift up a song. It is most often interpreted to indicate an instrumental interlude. However, it could designate a point where free-flowing vocal and instrumental praise occurred. So we know that we think that a sila happens when people pause for a minute, where there might be an instrumental interlude. Here in our worship services, if you wonder why we do that, why we sometimes hang out on on some measures of music, it denotes times when the music might continue without lyrics or even stop altogether when we just have quiet. See let's create a picture through sound or silence which causes us to pause and reflect on what the holy spirit is saying. The amplified bible translates it this way, pause and think of that. So sometimes we'll be singing a song and then we'll have a pause. Sometimes we're just transitioning from one song to another. But there're sometimes when there's like this moment that our worship leaders are waiting, they're saying, let's pause for a minute and think about what we just said, what we just talked about. One of the commentators, the Zondervan Dictionary, says that a sila usually occurs at a place where a significant statement has been made, making that a good place for a break or a pause. You know, communicators, preachers, they do that sometimes. I like say something really heavy and then I just I'm very bad at that. I'm trying to get better at it. <laughs> Sometimes I put in all caps in my notes pause. <laughs> Sometimes, like, we can get talking so fast, we don't give anybody a minute to stop. Let's think about this. It's very countercultural, it's very uncomfortable. Stop and pause. An example of this, this is one to stop and pause about, you all, from Psalm twenty-four, ten. Who is this king of glory? Who is he? Who is this God? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. Pause and think about it. I made a list of all the silas in the Bible. I have a chart if you want to copy. I think it's pretty cool. I love tables and charts. I'm a Bible geek, so there you go. In this chart, if we could get the next slide, please, Corky. There's one psalm that has a sila for a prayer of blessing. There are two psalms with silas for calls to the nations. There are three with songs about the beauty, wonder, and safety of Zion and abiding in worship. There are four Psalms with Silas that have moments to pause about the declarations that God is our refuge. And there are four that have praise for the glory and majesty of God. So let's just wait here for a minute. We're going to go from one all the way up to 11 Psalms. So it's like If you want to pray a prayer blessing, you don't have to pause and think about it too much. (laughs) Just pray it. (laughs) This is just me and my imagination, the way I interpret it. But let's go to the next slide. There are five psalms with silas for confession, humility, dependence, repentance, forgiveness. There are five with meditations on God's faithfulness. There are six with cries for deliverance, escape, and rescue. And there are ten for lament, for when the wicked prevail, and for when our souls are slandered. You know what? We get to pause and think about it. When bad people prevail, the Psalms say, pause, think about it. I don't know why totally. I don't understand it all. But I know that there are a lot of silas in the laments. And there are even more psalms with silas for songs of judgment, victory, and triumph. I don't know exactly what this means, but I find it interesting. Pause. Think about it. Think about it this week. Of all of these different themes, what are things that God would want you to pause and think about? I think the fact That the songs with the most, the most psalms that have Sila's about judgment and victory and triumph, those are like war songs. They're war songs. What I think, next slide please, is that if you're going to sing a war song or a song of victory, there better be a lot of space for pausing and thinking. (laughs) There better be a lot of space for pausing and thinking. Selah. There are lots of examples in scripture about pausing, about taking a breath. We've got the Sabbath. We've got morning and night. We have to pause half our days, don't we? Half our time is pausing and resting and sleeping. So many examples, nighttime, Sabbath. In the Bible, every seven years, if you had a field, you were supposed to let the field rest for a whole year. Many people have taken on that idea that every seven years, I'm going to take a significant rest somehow. I'm going to take a break. I don't want to see, I'm going to pause and think about things. They call it a sabbatical. That's where we get the word sabbatical is just pausing and thinking. I love that God designed our singing and our musical experience through the example of David. I love that God designed our worship experience and our worship life, our life of worship, to include spaces for us to pause before, to think about, to wrestle, to listen to, to make spontaneous songs about, to meditate on and enjoy being with God. When God sent Moses to Pharaoh, to Egypt, to get them out of Egypt, the enemy's strongholds, he said, let my people go so they can worship me. He took them out of a place of production and work and going nonstop to a place of rest. And when they were in a place of rest, then they could worship. And I'm not saying we don't worship when we work. That's not what I'm saying. But there's something that God wants to do about bringing us to places of rest and pause and worship. Exodus 14, when um, the Israelites are running from Egypt and they're stuck between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army, the enemy, all the Israelites cry out, we'd rather go back to the enemy. We'd rather go back to Egypt. We'd rather go back to the stronghold. And Moses is there like, what on earth are we going to do? What are we going to do? But he answers the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Sometimes we've got to pause and be still. Then what happens next? Moses is talking to the Lord. Lord, why'd you put me in this situation? And the Lord is talking back to Moses and he says, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. So there's this juxtaposition, again, of being still and then moving forward. Sometimes we need those sila times in worship where we pause and we stop before we can move move forward in our yada, our barak, our... Tauda or Zamar, whatever it is, sometimes we just, we need all those dynamics. Raising our hands, shouting, bowing, dancing, even being silly, acting madly in the presence of God. There's just so much we get to do in the presence of God. I just love how big God is that way. There's a Jesuit priest named Mark Thibodeau, I think, and he describes this maturity that happens in relationship. I'm going to close with this idea. He says, initially, we start with talking at God. This is simply parroting what our parents or authorities told us to pray. It could be like we put up the screen, we put up the lyrics, and we're just like, I'm just going to sing these lyrics because that's what people are doing here. That's what people say to do. I'm going to do it. And that's good for you. That is a great place to start. That's how children learn to speak, right? So do that. Sing the songs. Talk to God. But then there's talking to God, where we become more comfortable finding our own words, to speak to God. That's like that Tahila sing your own song, sing a spontaneous song. Eventually we get to the point where we can sing our own songs. And then there's listening to God. At this point, we begin to listen to God and we begin to enjoy a two-way relationship for him with him. This is why we leave space and hold space in worship for listening. And then there's just being with God, simply enjoying being in the presence of God who loves us? And that's what we're learning in our emotionally healthy spirituality course. If you're part of that, we're learning how to just be in the presence of God who loves us. So why don't we stand today? Could you all stand? We'll finish with this. Just want to pray to you, pray for you. <laughs> My prayer today is that opening up our vocabulary in praise and song and sound will open up your experience with Jesus. May your former enemy strongholds become spaces of worship in the name of Jesus. May your praise be rich and dynamic, full of reverence and raving madness, moments of quietness and moments of shouting times of tribute and bowing, and times of exuberant dancing and song. May we all enjoy being with God, and we, may we invite others to join us as well. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you all for joining us today in worship and scripture, and have a beautiful week. Sing lots of spontaneous praises dance. (laughs) If you would like prayer, we have a prayer table over here where you can meet with someone and someone will pray with you. If you would like to um, chat with me or I can pray with you, that would be wonderful as well. God bless you.